Connect Church family. Man, I am so excited to be speaking today and to be with you. I know we're in many different locations. Shout out to all those that are online, uh, on our online campus. We love you guys. We got a whole team ready to serve you. Make sure you get engaged in the chat today. I'm going to be preaching to you today. You guys know me. I'm not just a teacher. I'm a preacher. So you might see spit flying and it might go through your screen and the anointing just comes right in your room. Holla at your boy. Uh, and I know those that are uh, in city groups, man, we're so excited to see you physically and be gathering together. Uh, we obviously are trying to provide safe and excellent environments where you can experience God and even see community. And so I want to shout out to Marlboro. I want to shout out to Natick, to Ashland, and to my campus, the Milford campus. We love you guys so much. Come on, city groups, make some noise. We're so pumped to see you. And uh, we're going to be expanding. We're going to be growing in Jesus' name. I think this season has been so good for us as a church and as a community, because instead of being a regional church that was local, now we are a local church that is regional. I love this because we're spread all over the place and we're in different environments. We're developing influence in our cities. It's been amazing to watch and amazing to be a part of. Uh, first and foremost, I want to honor my pastors, Pastor Derek and Stacy. Thank you guys for allowing uh, me to speak today. A huge honor to, to be able to preach from your platform. And uh, I know I'm going to uh, I know that this is a big deal, so I appreciate your belief and your honor and your ability to give me this platform. Uh, but I just want to say today, we are in the middle of this One Blood series. Now, One Blood is a big deal because it's a tension in our culture today. But there's a scripture in Acts chapter 17. We read it last week, but essentially God is saying, you know, we all come from one blood. It is, you know, we have different nations, different ethnicities, but all of us come from this one blood. And PD did an incredible job giving this message last week. I would highly recommend go back into the YouTube or podcast archive. We want to see you there. And I think it's so important that you get equipped with this message because this is going to be a power-packed series because we got some tension in our culture, and I actually want to address that today a little bit. And uh, today is part two of that. And I want to direct your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, we're going to be reading from there. So if you have your Bibles, open up your Bibles. If you don't, we got a digital Bible up on the screen. I'm going to read from a paper Bible. I know you probably haven't seen one of these in 14 years, but they still exist. It's actually pretty amazing. Uh, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 through 13 or through 12 is what I'm going to be reading from. And this is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. And essentially he's saying this. He's saying, Corinthian church, I am begging you, I am appealing to you to be united. Now this church was divided. It was chaotic. There was tons of different opinions. A bunch of division happening. Kind of like what's going on in our culture today. Even in our churches today. There's a whole lot of division. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But these people started to get hung up on the messengers and not the message. They talked about, you know, I follow Apollos, I follow Paul, I follow this person, I follow that person, and yet we are not following Christ. The message is way more sacred than the messenger. And so there's division in the church, and this is what Paul says. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and in thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. Now, my, uh, my adolescent brain, when I read that, it just sounds like your typical gossip girl, Chloe. 
Chloe informed me that there's a lot of fights going on among you. Come on, any, anybody watch Mean Girls back in the day? This is the biblical Regina George in the text right now. So Chloe informs Paul uh, that there are quarrels and there's fights and there's division amongst their church. Now what this means is, one of you says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Another says, I follow Peter or Cephas. Still another says, I follow Christ. And then verse 13 says this, is Christ divided? Is Christ divided? It's that last line right there. Um, I want to preach from this thought today and tag a title to this text. I want to preach from this thought, the fifth gospel, the fifth gospel. I'll explain what that means at the conclusion of this message. But Father, we thank you so much that we are spread out as a church and we might be in different locations, but we still have the same heart. Uh, I pray, Lord, that as I speak today, you would help me, you would anoint my lips They don't need a word from me. They need a word from you. Uh, I know my words or opinions can't change anybody, but yours through my breath and through my mouth can do that. And so would you help me and assist me today? Uh, We ask that all of us be receptive. Help us to see Jesus so much more clearly, to hear from heaven. We need a word from you, God, and to encounter the power of God, even through the medium of technology. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this house and in this community and the communities beyond that. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Come on, I'm talking to you two city groups. Everybody said amen and amen. Um, to be honest, I have wanted to share this story for a long time. I just never had the appropriate environment to do so because there's so much kind of tension that's involved with it. But let me just share kind of what was happening in my life just a few months ago. Uh, essentially, you know, there's, there's been a lot of racial uh, injustice that has taken place in our culture. Now, this is not a political sermon. This is a biblical sermon, and this is one that we're going to be addressing some of the needs and some of the issues within humanity. But there was civil unrest, there was social injustice, and the world went up in arms. Our nation was up in arms, and there was chaos everywhere, looting, rioting, protesting. And so there was a peaceful protest in our local area. Now, one of the people in our church Love him to death. He asked my dad and I, he says, hey, I would love for one of you guys to come out. And I would love for one of you guys to come out and speak and to pray. Dad and I talked. Uh, It ended up being that the day that we were supposed to do this, we were actually doing our first physical gathering. There was a prayer meeting outdoors. And so one of us decided, hey, one of us is going to stay here. The other one's going to pray over there. So PD stayed at the church. P. Dev went off to Milford. And there was a peaceful protest that went on there. And so I was kind of nervous, just to kind of put you in my shoes for a second. Like, I'm a communicator. This is what I do. This is what I'm born for. This is what I do. I come alive doing this kind of stuff. But I'm more used to speaking and preaching in places like the church or conferences, even colleges. Um, But to do so in a field in our city was a little different. Now, I was so excited because, honestly, this was things that I used to pray for. How many know we're not a church that is just in our city. We are a church that is for our city. Can I get an amen from everybody in our house? I'm talking to you online chat. Come on, we're not just a church in our city or in our community. We're a church for our community. And so I knew this was a prompting. I was passionate about this. I was excited for the opportunity. And I didn't really know much. I didn't know what details kind of followed after that. I didn't know if I was supposed to pray, if I'm supposed to prepare a message or not. I really didn't have much to work on, so I'm just going there. I have a couple of thoughts I, I equipped in my head. I'm like, I know what I could say if this pops up, but I was nervous. So I pull up. I'm by myself. My wife and my son were gone to a different space. I didn't really have anybody, so I'm by myself. And I'm like, 
Okay, there's a lot of people here. There was at least three, four, maybe 500 people within this place. Like there is a ton of people in this field. And there was this little amphitheater. I walk up and I see my buddy who invited me there. He goes, Dev, come on up here. So I sit and I stand and I watch and I listen for about 45 minutes to an hour. A lot of people were expressing their pain. A lot of people were expressing their passions. A lot of people were sharing stories of racism that they experienced. A lot of people expressed a lot of different types of perspectives. It was so healthy for me to be in an environment like that because I think so many of us avoid environments like that. Not to say, you know, I'm making a political stand on anything, but I am saying I think this is a gospel message where God is asking us to be united, to be in harmony together. So I was asked to pray. And at the conclusion of this experience, uh, one, my brother, he asked me, who was one of the organizers of the event, he asked me, he says, Dev, I want you to come up and pray at the end of this. So he comes up. The event's almost over. Uh, they had, like, it was like four or five hours. Hundreds of people came. Lots of tears. Lots of pain. And then he comes up. He says, I wanted to end it the best way I knew how. And I want to invite one of my pastors to come and pray for us. Because how many know we need God in our city if we're going to see any racial justice reform happen? And so my man Kev was preaching. And I looked to him. He looked to me. And he goes, now I want to introduce you to one of my pastors. And it comes he comes from one of the greatest churches I have ever been a part of, and I am so proud of my church because at my church, and then he starts to speak, and he starts to preach, and he starts to announce, and honestly, like, declare. It was amazing. He starts to say, from my church, he goes, we don't care if you're black. We don't care if you're white. We don't care if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're gay, if you're straight. All we care about is we love God, and we love people, and this is one of my pastors. I want you to, intru- I want you to introduce and honor my pastor as he's going to come up here, and he's going to pray, and he's going to preach to all of you, and people were going, it was the greatest introduction I've ever gotten in my entire life. Now, as I'm about to go up, my man Kev, he was like, let me just tell you something. This dude dresses like this every single Sunday. And he goes, he's dressed so fly every Sunday. And I was like, oh, shoot, it's like that. I was so pumped. It was the greatest introduction I've ever gotten in my entire life. And all the environments I've spoken in, it was incredible. Couldn't have painted a better picture. Now, I walk up there, and I was so uh, welcomed. I was so honored because it was an event where there was unity happening. And I just loved what came out of his mouth because he had so much passion behind what he was saying about his church. Now, I love this because here's the big thought I want to give you today is can we just be a church not known for what we are against, but known for what we are for? I think it is so crucial. It is so valuable that we be known for what we are for and not what we are against. Because all of us, how many can agree right now? There's a lot of division. There's a lot of opinions. There's a whole lot of people out in the world right now where they want to push you to this agenda or push you for this agenda. And I think there's a lot of people that are like, I don't know what to do right now. Let me explain. I think we can all agree there is division in our culture. So much division. Uh, Case in point, 2020, this is what this year has been about. Are you on the left or are you over here on the right? Are you Republican? Are you Democrat? Are you Biden? Are you Trump? Uh, coronavirus is fake, coronavirus is real. Police brutality or you're uh, brutalizing the police. There are so many different things for us 
where we are stuck in the middle and we're just like, I feel like I'm supposed to make a decision, but if I go over here, then I'm offending everybody over here. You can't post anything on Facebook or online nowadays without getting verbal outrage and just chaos going on. And all of us are being pushed to make a decision. And I think so many of us need to hear this today. You are stuck in the middle. Can I make an announcement today to our church family, to those that are watching online in all of our city groups? Listen to me. We are not left. We are not right. We are not Republican. We are not Democrat. We are kingdom. That is the mission. This is the family that we belong to. This is not because we are a political party. No, we are the kingdom of God. And we don't exist to divide culture. We exist to unite culture together and to be stuck right there in the middle of things. I want to let you know, it's not a division between are you, are you for Black Lives Matter? Are you for Blue Lives Matter? Are you for the police? Are you for our black brothers and sisters? Are you left? Are you right? There's so many different divisions happening. And God is simply saying in this prayer in John 17, he's saying, I wish they would be one. I wish they would be one. Now, that means you can have differences of opinion and you can have harmony, but harmony still has diversity. How many know if you had this band up on the stage right now, you could see that people play different instruments, but there's still a beautiful sound because this is a harmony. Harmony still means you can have diversity. Now, here's your big idea for the message. It's this, is you must love people more than your politics. You must love people more than your politics. How do you be a Christian in 2020? It's that right there. Our mission and our heart cry is we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we love our neighbor as ourselves. Who is my neighbor? It is my brother. It is my sister. You might have some different skin or some different melanin, but we still got the same spirit and we still got the same God. And the same blood that set you free is the same blood that set me free. We have far more in common. Come on, somebody. We have far more in common than we do apart. I want to let the church know today it's time not to divide culture, but to unite it. And this is the responsibility. This is the mandate. Better yet, this is the commissioning of every single Christian. 2020 has its chaos. But I love this. We're going to take you back to Next Steps. For those that have been through Next Steps, our classes and our courses go on every single Sunday at 9 a.m. online right now. If you haven't done so, make sure you go online. You don't just need to come to events. You need to get involved in a family. Now, in Next Steps, one of the things that we teach is, listen, in all our beliefs, all our beliefs, I'm sorry, in our essential beliefs, we have unity. We believe that God, Jesus, is the bridge from earth to heaven. We believe in the Trinity. We believe in Father God. We believe in the essential beliefs. We have to have unity. In non-essential beliefs, there is liberty. That's things like, you know, drinking. What about, you know, dressing in clothes? What about certain music you listen to? These, some of these are non-essential beliefs, but some of them are important. Everything is permissible. Not everything is beneficial, but these things we have liberty. But listen, in all our beliefs, we show charity. Another way we say it is we show love. Even if you don't believe the same thing I believe. Even if you don't have the same worldview that I have. Even if you don't have the same opinions that I have. Listen, all of us have opinions, but hear me everybody. We have our opinions, but we also have our orders. Our orders are from God to go therefore and make Republicans. Doesn't say that. Go therefore and make Democrats. Doesn't say that. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is our order. 
And I just think you got to ask yourself this question. Is what am I to do when I don't know what to do? What am I to do when I don't know what to do? Because I find myself in this place. Put yourself in my shoes for a second. Put yourselves in some of the pastor's shoes for a second. If we go in this stance over here, these people are offended. If we say something over here, these people are offended. We've had people leave our church. We've had things happen. And listen, you can't please everybody. But I think there's a lot of people that feel just like us, where you feel like you're stuck in the middle and I don't know what to do. What do I do when I don't know what I'm supposed to do? I wrote down three things, three little principles that kind of help me and guide me navigating through the political division that we have, the racial tension that we're experiencing. Come on, all of us, we come from one blood. PD talked about this last week, the Human Genome Project. We have far more in common, 99.9% in common. You know, you have different skin, but you are still my brother and you are still my sister. One of my favorite things about our church is that we have black, we have white, we have Indians, we have Asians, we have Latinos, we have Brazil. We have so many different types of creeds, colors, and cultures. And it is so important because that is what heaven looks like. So the question is, what do you do when you don't know what to do? I want to give you three guiding principles really quick. Write these down. And then I want to ask another age-old question that I think it's important that all of us go back to and revisit. But first, what do you do when you don't know what to do? First of all, you need to know this, that influence takes years to build and seconds to destroy. It takes years to build. I, I can't tell you how many people I've been working on over, over time and, and investment and conversation and some encouragement for years and years and years and years and years, and yet so few of us care or think about that. I don't know about me. I don't know about you, I mean. But for me, the way I was taught and the way I was raised is to win people, not win arguments. My goal is not to be right. My goal is to be in right standing with people because I care about people far more than I care about my politics. Now, that doesn't mean you neglect policy. That doesn't mean you neglect you know, who we vote for. Voting is so important. Don't get me wrong. But you need to make sure you prioritize your love for people and your love for God far more than your love for politics. Christians should be involved in politics. They should not be obsessed with politics. They should be obsessed with humanity. We love God. And God loves people. Therefore, we are to love people. It's so important. You can have influence for years. And in one post, one acting out of motion, one time of acting out of impulse... You can lose all that in seconds. Now, here's something else. I think this is really important for our culture right now. Is you can disagree politically, but you can still love unconditionally. Disagree politically. I got my opinions. I know who I'm voting for. I know who you. I know many of you guys are voting for a, a different candidate. I know there's tons of different things happening. I know you have an opinion on, you know, what happened over with this racial tension with George Floyd. I know many people have tons of different opinions on a lot of different things in our culture. And we can disagree politically, but we still have to love unconditionally. Now, some things are human rights. Some things are political things. But can we just say, you can be in disagreement, but you can still have honor and you can still actually have love mixed in that picture. Disagree politically, love unconditionally. But here's the most important principle that I think is helping me and guiding me through this season is always put the cross before the flag. Put the cross 
before the flag. Come on, I think all of us would agree we live in the greatest country with the greatest freedoms. Thank God for the country that we live in. And many of us are so passionate about our politics, so passionate about our rights, because we want to keep it that way. But can I tell you something? Whoever, hear me and write this down in your notes. Chat, I need you to shout me down after this. Hear me. Whoever is our president, understand something. No matter who is our president, Jesus is still our Lord. No matter who is in the White House, Jesus is still on the throne. And what that means is no matter man's responsibility or irresponsibility, we can rest and we can trust in the fact that God is still sovereign. And even though his ways might not be my ways, his thoughts are not my thoughts. He can work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to their purposes. Can I just tell you something? You can rest in the fact that God is good. And no matter who wins the election, God is still sovereign. No matter what happens in the society that we live in, can we all agree there's chaos going on? But hear me, we are people that need to not fight division with division, but fight division with unity. And so it brings me to this age-old question. You know it, we've heard it since we were kids. The question is, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do in times like these? Who would Jesus vote for? Would Jesus vote? What would he do? I think it's easy to find out what he would do because we know what Jesus said. And I wrote down three things that I think all of us need to do in times like this. What are we to do when we don't know what to do? And what would Jesus do in this time? Well, I think the first thing he would command us to do, because he did, would he, he would say, I want you to look. I want you to look. More than looking at what's happening in culture, this is what I know God would ask because this is in Scripture. Look at yourself. Ask yourself these questions. Am I contributing to the problem or am I helping it? Am I providing solutions or am I just bombarding culture with more problems? Am I the problem? Am I contributing to racism in this society? Am I contributing to dishonor in this society? You should look at yourself because what does David say? David says, search me, O God, and created me a pure heart. Put in me a steadfast spirit and create a new spirit, a new heart within me. In the New Testament, it talks about, you know, don't look at the speck in your brother's eye. Look at the plank in yours. I think all of us have to ask the questions, am I contributing to the problems in our society. Am I, watch this, am I creating division or am I creating unity? Am I adding to the problems or am I being somebody that brings harmony together? Am I disagreeing politically but still loving unconditionally? Am I putting the cross before the flag or am I putting the flag before the cross? I think all of us have to ask ourselves some of these self-reflective questions. I think the first thing Jesus was asked us to do would be to look. I think the second thing he would ask us to do would be to listen. The Bible says in James, it says, be quick to listen and be slow to speak. Listen to me. Pray before you post. <laughs> Come on, that will preach right there. That should be in the book of Proverbs. Pray before you post. I saw a funny joke the other day. Somebody said, uh, you know, there's this app online that tells people uh, who is racist in your friends list. It's called Facebook. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Maybe you didn't. But I just think for me, 
Man, we have to pray and be monitoring what we post. I know you got your opinions, but friend, there's a lot of people that look up to you. And so because God calls us, Psalm 133, brothers, I pray, I beg you, and I hope that you be in one thought, in one purpose. It talks about how good, how pleasing it is when brothers and sisters are in harmony. Scripture is bombarded with this message of unity. And we need unity in our culture today. I think the first thing Jesus would ask would be to look. Second thing would be to listen. Listen to, first of all, God's word. You should not form, your, your opinions should be formed because of God's word. How many know we cannot stand on temporary opinions from politicians or from people in culture or media? You know, is this media fake? Is this media fake? What news should I listen to? You should listen to the good news and the good news alone right now. Because how many know there are temporary opinions going on in culture? But we don't follow temporary opinions, wayward thinking. We follow the eternal truths of God's word. Listen to God's word. Listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And lastly, I think most, really one of the most important things you can do is you can listen to somebody that shares the opposing views that you do. If you haven't had some interactions, whether it be face-to-face or phone-to-phone, you need to have some conversations with people to say, I don't understand this. I've gotten to have a lot we did a couple podcasts, and we filmed a couple podcasts on our YouTube channel that I'm just trying to seek understanding. I'm not trying to prove a point. I'm trying to win people, and I'm trying to understand. Help me to see from your vantage point and from your perspective. Because so many of us have a worldview, and I think it's so healthy. It is so important for us to be asking ourselves the question of, what would somebody that has an opposing view say to me? And have those conversations. I remember using this illustration long before. But I was watching National Geographic. And they were talking about the anatomy of a snake. Now a snake has this forked tongue. It smells. It tastes. That's what kind of leads and directs this snake. It has beautiful, incredible vision. But snakes don't have ears. And so really they hear through their tongue. And they taste. And they see direction through their tongue. Now, here's what I want to say about that. Is you know you are dealing with the snake from somebody who does not listen to other people. Because a snake does not have ears. Listen to me, everybody. Have humility. Clothe yourselves with humility, the Bible says. And listen. Listen to God's word. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And listen to people that have opposing views than you do. And that creates harmony. Jesus would do this. He would ask us to look. He would ask us to listen. And I think the last thing, very clearly he would do, is he would ask us to lead. In times like these, the fifth gospel needs to show up. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four gospels. The fifth gospel is you and me. It's been said many people may never read the gospel message, but they will read you. And from that vantage point, if people are looking at the pages of your life, what would they say? Would they say, oh, they're just like the world? They're just like culture. They're just adding more division, more chaos, more pain into this picture. Or are they saying, something's different about that person. They want to bless me 
and love me, even though we share differences of opinions. They have tried time and time again for years upon years upon years, and they've never given up on me. Even in the middle of all this time, I know they share a different opinion, but they just asked, how are you doing? Are you okay? That is what the fifth gospel, the remnant of Jesus Christ, believers, Christians, the followers of Jesus, that is who we are. That is what we are all about. We lead in times of chaos. To go back to the story I was sharing earlier, when I was going up to this small little amphitheater, uh, my friend asked me, he says, Dev, I want you to pray. And so I was going up, I saw this sea of people, and all, there's people crying, there's people passionate, and I literally thought to myself, like, I don't know what to say. I didn't really get to prepare much. I got a thing I could say, and it's cute. And I was just like, God, what do you want me to say right now? What can I say that could heal and ease pain in this room, but also help people? And I was just nervous. I was scared, (laughs) to be completely honest with you. Totally scared. And I felt the Holy Spirit whisper to me, like I just said, you got to listen. I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, this is why you were born. It's moments like these. For such a time as this, This is why you are here. And that little whisper from the Holy Spirit gave me courage and it shot up into my bones. And I got this little thought that this is what we're supposed to do in times like these is listen, change globally starts locally. That was that little word, little nugget that God gave me. Change globally starts locally. And so what we are to do is to step up and to lead. And you know what happened in that moment? I got to go up there, share a little nugget, share a little thought. People, of course, were so welcoming because of the introduction that was had. We are known for what we are for, not for what we are against. And you know what happened? I got to pray. And in one moment, all the things were happening. There was pain. There were stories being shared. There was trouble within people, passion. There was a lot of swearing going on. I saw a lot of that. But then for at least a minute and a half, every person came under one name. That was not the name of Devin Fry. That was not the name of Connect Church. That name was the name Jesus Christ. And we got to pray. I got to bless those people. And I said, God, we know that you are for us. So many people in this room have been prodigals and they have run from you. You are not mad at them. You are madly in love with them. And I got to see faces. I got to see seeds being planted into people. I got to see people crying their eyes out. Conversations I had afterwards. I got to pray for a few people. I got asked to pray in a uh, political party that uh, they wanted me to go to this rally and then pray again. It was just incredible the fruit that came from that moment. But it came. Because God told me, you need to lead in this moment. These are times for which you are born. And I want to declare that to so many of you right now. If so many of us are like, what do I do when I don't know what to do? I feel torn. Am I supposed to go over here and make this statement? Am I supposed to make this post? Am I supposed to vote for this guy or this guy? Am I, do I stand with my brothers and sisters over here? Do I stand with the Blue Lives Matter over here? What am I supposed to do? And I think all of us, God has just want to whisper to you and say, You were born for this time. Look at yourself. Look internally. Are you contributing to the problems in society? Are you adding solutions to it? Are you contributing to division? Or are you contributing to unity? Look, listen. Listen to God's word. Listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Listen to people that have opposing views than you do. And lastly, 
it is your time to lead. Because watch, you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. The next generation is watching you. And they are watching what to do, and they are watching what not to do. Let's lead them well. Now watch, I want to read this last scripture, and I want to pray over you. But in Revelation chapter 7, this is a picture that was given of what heaven looks like. It says this, Revelation 7, 9. It says, after this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude nobody could count. This is a picture of heaven from every nation, every tribe, every people, and every single language. Standing there before the throne and before the Lamb, they were wearing white robes, and they were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. In heaven... We are all going to go there one day if you put your faith in Jesus. And you will see every creed, every culture, every color. You will see people that you didn't think were going to be in heaven there. You are going to see all these people, and all of them are going to be shouting salvation. All of them are going to be shouting Jesus. And I think this is a picture of what heaven is supposed to be like. I also think it's symbolism for what earth is supposed to look like. And I think as the fifth gospel... As the remnant, as followers of Jesus, we are the representation of Christ to all of humanity. The world has enough division. It needs unity. And may we love people more than we love our politics. And may heaven look just like earth. And I want to believe that. And I want to believe that this message is going to impact generations to come. And for the things that you don't know you're supposed to do, for the tensions that you feel, and you feel like you're stuck in the middle. Remember, we're not left. We're not right. We are not Democrat. We are not Republican. We are kingdom, and we belong to Jesus. I want to pray for you, and uh, I would just ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes. And for those that are watching online, you too. I want to pray for you, and I want to believe that God's going to give you wisdom. He's going to give you insight. He's going to help you to look on the inside of you. He's going to help you to listen. Listen to people. Listen not just to what they say, but listen to the heart. Listen to the hurt. Listen to the pain. That you would be moved with compassion and that you would lead. So, Father, right now I just declare the blood of Jesus over all my brothers and sisters spread out in, in Natick, in Marlboro, in Milford, in Ashland, all those that are watching online right now in their homes. I declare right now that, God, you would help us to lead. We take on this mantle. I pray that there would be a weight that would be attached to this message, that they literally walk out of wherever they're watching church and they understand more clearly and more definitively we are Christ's representatives. We are the fifth gospel. People are watching us. People are looking at us. And they need harmony, not division. We need more unity. Not uniformity, unity. And so help us, Holy Spirit, to do what Jesus would do, to look on the inside Father, reveal to us things that we need to remove, things that we need to replace. Help us to listen, to hear your voice so clearly. And in moments where we don't know what to do, Father, I believe and we stand on your words that the Holy Spirit will give you the right words to say for such a time as this. I declare these things over them in Jesus' name. Now for one last group, would you bow your heads and close your eyes still? I want to just declare to you that Jesus came to this earth, died for your sins, so that you can have eternal life with him. It's a huge deal. And so what God did is he sent Jesus, his son, so that Jesus could create harmony and unity between God and man. Jesus is that bridge. He is that 
that, that, that pathway to go to heaven. He is the bridge between earth and heaven. And all you have to do is say, I put my trust, I put my faith in him, and you have eternal life. And I want to give you the moment, this moment right now. And I'm going to ask you, if you're in city groups, if you're with us physically in person, I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand up boldly and say, that's me. If you're online, I'm going to ask you to click that button below and say, I want to give my life to Christ today. One, Jesus loves you so much. Don't wait another day. Two, today is your day for salvation. Please don't wait another minute. You do not know if tomorrow is promised. Put your faith in him now. God is madly in love with you. Three, if that's you, would you shoot your hand up or would you click that button right now and some of our team just wants to pray for you? We're not going to stalk you or anything like that. All we want to do is we want to give you some faith. We want to give you some equipment for this journey because that is the greatest decision you could ever make. Now, if that is you, uh, would you text CC saved to 97,000? CC saved to 97,000. There should be a link below me. And all that is, we're going to send you a resource to say what's next. You gave your life to Christ today. Let me tell you, that is the greatest decision you could ever make. The greatest decision I ever made was giving my life to Christ. Why? Because I found purpose. I found family. I found freedom. And because of that, we want to give you this resource to help you along your journey. So make sure you text CC Saved to 97000. We want to help you with it. Guys, thank you so much. I pray this message uh, impacted you, maybe compelled you, or even commissioned you to live out this gospel message. We love you guys so much. God bless you. We'll see you soon.